In Matthew 4:19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie. I'm your host, and I'm here today with a special friend of mine, Sean Allen. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good. We're so glad to have Sean with us today. I've been asking Sean for a while. I'm so glad it worked out for him to come <laughs> and be on our podcast. Um, some of you guys know Sean. Uh, his family worships at Mount Pisgah. Sean was born and raised in Missouri. Um, he grew up in a Methodist church there in Warrensburg. He attended um, Missouri State University, where he majored in sociopolitical communications and minored in English. From there, he moved to Atlanta in 1997 to attend Emory University School of Law. In 2021, he graduated with his MDiv from Asbury Theological Seminary. Sean is a member of Mount Pisgah. He teaches classes and serves on the board of trustees. He is a husband, a father, a disciple maker, and a brother in Christ. And so, Sean, we're just glad to have you come. Uh, Sean is one of those people that I turn to often to ask questions. He <laughs> is uh, a studier, a learner. Uh, he knows God's Word, and he knows where to go to learn more about it as well. And I thought it would be great if Sean came on today. Uh, he's been one of our discipleship group leaders. He's currently teaching uh, lots of other classes for us at the church but it would be great for him to come and talk to us about study and preparation and, you know, just the things that we think about when we're trying to lead others. So, Sean, um, I was thinking about having you on today, but before we jump into the content, would you mind sharing just a little bit about your story? Our, our listeners love to hear how God's worked in people's lives, so maybe how you became a disciple of Jesus and then a disciple maker. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on here. Uh, it's an honor, and I appreciate it, and I'm very appreciative of everything y'all do uh, to promote discipleship in, in our church. Um, my story, and it leads into kind of what we're going to talk about today, is not very exciting, um, and, and that's okay. I grew up in the church. I, I don't remember a time not going to church, cherub choir, youth group, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, like many people, maybe ventured away a little bit from being active in my faith in college and, and after that. And then when I married Bess, we, we started back into it. But, you know, there was, I was trying to think of an analogy. To me, my faith has always been like uh, air. I, I know it's there. I, I rely on it to live. But you don't think about it always. And I think that was what made it. Uh, Mark Danzi always says, you know, they, when you're talking to somebody, they can't argue with your story. Well, my story to me wasn't very interesting because if you've ever had the experience where you get the wind knocked out of you and you have that moment, your brain just goes, oh my gosh, I have to breathe. And you can't. And then you get that first breath of air and it's the greatest thing in the world. And, and thankfully, I'm, I'm very blessed that I haven't had that getting the wind knocked out of me in my life like, you know, kind of aspect to my story. And so I always kind of felt that my story was, my story was very interesting. You know, if somebody's struggling, if somebody's not sure, and I'm just like, well, I always just went to church. That doesn't really, you know. So um, when I got to Mount Pisgah and, and, and Mark brought me into a group and then asked me to lead, and, you know, that was always one of my things is, 
am I prepared to lead? And am I prepared to lead just, you know, telling my story because that, like I said, it's, it's great, but it doesn't necessarily have that, that moment that people who are struggling or people need to, to grab onto something have. Um, and so for me, I think a little bit of it was I wanted to be able to help answer questions. I wanted to be able to understand, really also understand my own faith, uh, understand questions I had. Um, when I was growing up, I always hated math teachers who made you show your work. Because if you could get the answer, I never thought, it, why does it matter if you see my work if the answer's right? Um, I got to the point in my faith that, you know, I'd have questions, tough questions. Why is this? And you might get an answer, but I never saw the work. And that bothered me. Um, and so that kind of led me to, to be, if I was going to, I felt I wasn't prepared to be a disciple maker unless I was better prepared to answer some of those questions for myself and for other people. Um, ultimately, that led me to go to seminary um, for the last six years uh, in order to kind of have that, I think, that confidence and, and the ability to feel that I was prepared to make disciples of other people. Um, so that's kind of where what got me uh, to where I am. I, and and my disciple making, obviously, I think a lot uh, falls through teaching. Um, a lot of uh, that's kind of, I believe, my one of my gifts. Um, but, but I think it's so important. And, and I love how committed the church is to it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, well, you're, that's full of good nuggets that you just shared. First of all, I want to encourage you that those people, because I've known many along the way who share the story of they stayed faithful to the Lord. They didn't have, you know, these these testimonies of, of stuff. That, that's still a beautiful testimony, right? Because it's so it encouraging, is. right? And uh, so just I, I, I appreciate you for that. Um, and we know that God is is working in all things. And then um, I also love your your desire to learn and know and that you wanted to seek out knowledge so that you could be good at pouring into others. But it also, I think, um, as we're starting to talk about this topic of study, if there's somebody out there that's considering leading and they hear, oh, Sean had to go to seminary. <laughs> do I need to go to seminary? No, uh, that no, that no, no, creates no. that question. So do you need to have a seminary degree to be able to pour into others? 100% not. Uh, in fact, um, I don't know. Sometimes it might make it worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible to say. But, you know, the, but, but part of it is also, you know, during the time I was in seminary, you know, it took up so much of my time. I wasn't being as active of a disciple maker. That was something uh, for me, but it's kind of like you know, we all learned if you have children during the pandemic, right? We all became a little bit of a teacher at home. None of us had teaching degrees, mm -hmm. but we could still teach our children and help them hopefully with, with what they needed to learn. Or if we couldn't help them, we could try to find the ways to help them. And, and so this was something I did for me, um, and I don't think you need it. I do think that, and we'll talk about a desire to learn, is important uh, to be a disciple maker. So what that means and, and how that manifests itself, uh, for me, it was school. doesn't have to be, obviously. Uh, we have 
phenomenal discipleship makers way so far better than me and ahead of me mm. that that never have stepped foot in a classroom for it um so that is uh i do think a desire to learn though is very important yeah i i agree with you and i i think um the lord always uses those who are willing to say yes right and so so much of it it is uh, just sharing what you know uh, and learning even even together. But I appreciate uh, you taking the pressure off of us because I know that um, it does take confidence in the Lord to step out and uh, be willing to pour into others. Um, and it does take that desire to learn and, and listen to, to the Holy Spirit. Well, so I wanted you to talk to us about study and preparation and the things that um, really help us to be good uh, facilitators or, or leaders. Um, and so why is study important? So first, I think we have to get rid of what the myth of what study is not. Um, study has a bad reputation. Study to, is is us sitting in a tiny chair, uncomfortable chair in a classroom, you know, memorizing the Peloponnesian war facts and knowing that that was never, ever going to help us in our life. And, and I think we get so burdened growing up with so much information that is, I, I hate, I don't want to downplay school, but you know, a lot of stuff that we're not going to need that we sort of push back when we're free from it. We say, I'm done with this. Thank goodness. Um, it is nothing more than a means of getting better at something you care about. Study to me is practice. So, you know, if you play tennis, you're not just going to show up every couple of weeks for the match and hope you eventually get better. You won't. You're always going to be as, you know, you're never really, you go out and play during the week. You know, if you, if you have a fantasy football league, you know, and you want to lord it over your friends that you want, you study the the stats and the books before your draft, or you shoot free throws if you want to be a basketball player or whatever it is that you care about, uh, cooking or, or whatever it may be, you practice it. And the practice is what makes you better. So to me, study is nothing more than practice in, in something you care about. And we do that all the time with our hobbies. So when you think of it that way, I think it is less daunting. Um, so that's the, the the first thing I want to kind of note what it is. Um, in the terms of what we're talking about, I think it, it gives a greater depth and breadth to our faith. Um, first of all, the Bible is not always easy. Um, there's a lot of things that we may not fully understand and we can just sort of read over them and go, yeah, that seems weird. I'm just going to move on, but we may be missing something there. Um, and and I'll, I'll give an example. I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but we were talking about the Leverett marriage uh, the other day, which is the, the idea that when uh, in the old Testament, when, when a, when a, a husband died, then the brother would, effectively marry the wife so that uh, if they didn't have children and any child would belong to the first, the the dead husband. And, and we see that story in, in Genesis 19 with uh, uh, Judah and Tamar. Um, you know, you read that story and, and, and what happens and it's kind of weird and you go, you know, that's kind of a weird story. I'll just ignore that. The thing is, if what you understand about why that existed at the time, you know, it, it wasn't just for purposes of inheritance. It's also for protecting the widow. And 
you can you can find a lot of different things in there. You can find the the idea of of following God's will even when you don't want to, which you know didn't happen at first in that story. You can see the need to take care of those who would be left outside of society, the widow in that case. You know, you can there's a lot of depth to a simple story like that that on first read just is like, well, that's kind of weird. I'll skip over it. Um, so I do think that it allows you to see deeper into the Bible, uh, which I think strengthens the faith. Um, the final thing is confidence. If you're teaching somebody something, you want to be able to at least feel that if they have questions, that you're in a position to help them. Maybe not know them all, and I, and I think we'll talk about that, but I think uh, that you can help them. And when we look at the Great Commission, you know, it, it, it says teaching, right? It's an active verb. It is, it is something we're not just, you know, facilitating, handing papers. We are, we're called to know these things, know the things that Jesus taught so that we can teach them to others. So, you know, I'm trying to I'll paraphrase here was first Peter three fifteen. always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And, and, and I am poorly yeah. paraphrasing that, but I think part of that uh, does involve an understanding beyond just your faith story, but also the why behind it. So um, probably kind of a long answer, but I think that to me is, is what study does to, to really build on our faith and our ability to then show that to somebody else. Right. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Um, and I really also like that you first started with the idea of um, studying like you do with a hobby. You, you do it because you there is enjoyment in it. I, and I, th- I think of my husband took up fishing during uh, COVID and he's right. always like looking up stuff about fishing, trying to learn more about it. And so I can get where... Um, just taking that time to 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 know and understand and see the cultural context and being able to speak to that would bring um, confidence as well as joy um, in that. Yes. So absolutely. then, if you're if you're the leader and you're preparing, um, how how does preparation in general? And I think you hit on this because you talked about the confidence. But as far as like facilitating the group time. How could preparation help both the, the leader and the members? Um, so it's going to kind of come back, I think, to the idea of how, how to teach something. Um, there's a quote I like to use when I'm teaching a class, and it's from Margaret Mead, who is a cultural anthropologist. And she said, children should be taught how to think, not what to think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important when we're if you teach somebody what to think, it's very static. It's very limited. So you can teach your three-year-old two plus two is four. Your three-year-old doesn't now know math. They know two plus two is four. And so long as that's the only question they're ever asked, they're golden. But beyond that, they really don't know how to apply that into another situation. Um, So I think one of the things we want to teach people is not just here's what it says, but here's what it means and how to think in scenarios that may be not so clearly addressed. And so, you know, if you're a leader and, and you're sitting around and, you know, you're in your, your protective group where, where you can say whatever you want and somebody says, you know, I'm thinking about killing somebody. 
Well, you can pretty clearly say, ah, I got it. There's there's the exact rule in here in the Bible. I'm pointing at my Bible um, that says um, don't murder. Okay, that's pretty easy. But maybe it's something that's a little bit more of a of a, you know, I'm struggling. Hey, the economy is really causing me some stress. I don't know if we're in a bubble. I'm having a hard time giving and I'd really kind of want to hang on to my money. If you just say, well, here's the verse that says to tithe, you're not really addressing the fundamental issue, you know, but if you're prepared and, and you can think beyond the that line and say, you know what, let's talk about what is it? Is it worry? Well, let's talk about let's let's go into into discussing the idea of worry and what God says. Is it trust? You know, is it giving ourselves over to God? You know, is it? I don't know where this money, you know, what I'm just giving money. I don't think about where it goes. Well, let's look at what it does. You know, then you have your discipleship aspect. Then you have, um, you know, taking care of the less fortunate, the uh, the least of these and talking about the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. And, and you can take that issue and maybe instead of just saying, here's one line that says, go do it, you can actually build on it and, and help them the next time they're ready to give or not ready to give that at least they're thinking through a broader application than just the rule. And so I think um, for me, preparation in, in teaching people when they run into a situation, maybe a difficulty down the road, maybe you're not no longer their leader. Maybe they're on their own that they're not just, if the rule isn't strictly put forth in the Bible about what to do, I don't know what to do. They actually can take the breadth of the information and the overall teaching and the meaning of, of the Bible and what it does and apply it to that, to any situation. Because we all know there's going to be a lot of situations that aren't specifically addressed. And the ability to then take that and to look to our faith and answer it is, to me, a key to a to our face standing up, especially in the face of maybe difficulties or things like that. Oh, that's, that's really good. Um, it reminds me, and I think this is just part of normal childhood development, right? But at first the kids just get the rules, but then they start, they get to that phase where they ask why, like, why is that? Why is this? And and that's a, such an integral part of learning because that's the reasoning. I, I hear what you're saying. Like you want to understand what's all behind giving and how does giving contribute not only to the body of Christ, but to my own development, just a lot of other things that are more than just you should do it, right? Um, and you you find out quickly as a parent that the answer, because I said so, doesn't satisfy them, right? right? So the same thing, because the Bible said so, should be, I mean, yes, that should that be enough, but we may need a little bit more to sort of address the underlying concerns or feelings or whatever it is. And it's there, right? Everything we need uh, for salvation and for that is in the Bible. Nothing, you know, that, that's the the takeaway. But I think that, like you said, with children, at some point, you have to be able to give them a little bit more, or eventually they are able to start figuring things out for themselves. And that's when you've really achieved in, in your teaching is that you no longer need to tell them they can right. start figuring out for themselves, which is obviously the goal of discipleship. You're not walking beside them for the rest of their life, right? You're you're doing this for a couple of years and you're turning them loose. And not not loose. I mean, you're always there and the other people are always there. But but obviously, um, 
they now need to be in a position to not only figure these things out for themselves, but now be in a position, ideally, to lead other people and teach them to do the same. And that's, and then it goes on. Right, right. No, that's, that's very good. Very helpful. Um, okay, so you make me think of the scenario, and I think it's going to happen, because as you pointed out earlier, the Bible is complex, but at some point you're going to get to a question that you don't know the answer to, even if you've done great preparation, even if you have studied up on it, but someone's just going to ask a, a really challenging question. So what do you do as a leader like to, not to, like what you were just saying, not to be like, I, I'm the person who has to tell you all this, but to, to help them? So, yeah, um, a couple of things. First and foremost, you're not required to know all the answers. I mean, that's, um, I wanted to know all the answers. And and what I found out was I probably know less now than I did before I started school because now I have a lot more questions. Um, and that's okay. I think one thing is, first of all, saying I don't know is okay. Um, there are ways to find out. Uh, you know, there's there's good resources. I brought, I brought one of my favorites um, just as an example. So, you know, this is, is called The Epic of Eden. Um, this is a book that sort of I, I've given to people and everybody I've ever given it to loves it. And it sort of puts the Old Testament. It teaches a lot about the cultural context and things like that that make the Old Testament more accessible. I have another ver uh, book similar to this with the New Testament. Everybody I've given it to hates it. I loved it. And so I no longer give it to people. They don't like it. So not every book is good. You know, going out and just being like, I'll just grab the first book on the shelf or the first one that pops up on Amazon that says it's dealing with this issue may be a bad idea. Um, so I think ask somebody, you know, go to, you know, go to somebody in the church. Uh, it may be that the question is difficult and you say, you know what, I'm going to call and see if one of the pastors or somebody at the church will come show up at our next class and talk through that with us. Um, you know, there is a, Look, there's a lot of good resources online. It's just a matter of knowing what's good and not knowing what's good, and that's tough. I think the more you spend time and study, you start to learn, hey, here's a resource that's pretty good. This person's a bit of a wackadoo kind of thing like that. Um, and so, so I think that there's the ability, and I also think it's good to walk through together because there's a lot of things that are uh, – difficult and and walking through them together and this uh kind of one of the things we talked about and I'll, I'll is being flexible in our teaching um i'm a big believer personally in when we're you know when you're do anything you're doing i'm a type b it, so i'm i'm scatter all over the place which could be a problem but you know if you're sitting there and you go into your class and you're all prepared you know, and somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. Why God would allow tornadoes to go through the Midwest and, and kill 80, 60, 80 people, however, remember, however many people have lost their lives. I'm really struggling why that happens. And you go, it's a good question. At some point, we'll address this. Back to Romans 12. You know, that's, to me, that you're missing an opportunity there. Um to just say, you know what, let's talk about it. Maybe we don't have the answer today. The idea of why they're suffering is is very difficult. The Bible doesn't 
Um, this isn't just a pitch for the, my class about hard questions. It doesn't really, you know, you get Job. Job doesn't really give an answer. You get uh, James and, and Paul talking about how to appreciate suffering and what it can do for us. But it does, you know, there's not a lot of answers there. And it may not be something that's easily answered. But, you, you know, put a pause in your class. Discuss everyone's feelings on it. Do some research. Bring somebody in. Spend the next three weeks talking through a very, very important thing within our faith and then go back, you know, to, to, and take that opportunity right then to address it. And I think um, flexibility, I, I think we can be so rigid. And I think one of the things that that comes from maybe is people not feeling confident in what they're teaching. And so they sort of feel like they have to stay within the parameters of whatever it is which is good because the materials are fantastic. Um, but they don't always address an immediate need. And so I always found for me, uh, when it was like memorizing a verse every week, it was okay. But if that verse doesn't really speak to me, you know, that it, it's not going to stick with me, you know, like just memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. It's good to know the Bible, but I would much rather say, okay, go find a verse this week that's speaking to a situation that's on your heart right now and memorize that because that's the one that's going to come back to you. You know, if you worry, memorizing a verse about worry is going to speak to you more than memorizing a verse about prayer. If your prayer life is, is very active, you don't necessarily, you know, does that make sense? You don't need to memorize the verse about prayer. You already have a strong prayer life, but you have a worry problem. Maybe a verse on worry that will run through your head when you start to, to worry about something would be the comfort that you need. So I think uh, one of the whole ideas to me behind study and all of this is that confidence as a leader to be able to say, okay, I've got my framework of what I'm going to teach, but if we get a little bit off the page here or there, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, and so that's kind of, um, but, you know, and, and I kind of veered away from the, your original question about what to do with a hard question. Um, I, I think there are lots of resources, some of them, you know, to give guidance, but I think just stopping and talking through and dealing with what people are struggling with or questioning as you do it. And, you know, maybe your class goes a little over three years, maybe, you know, it, it bounces around a little bit, but at the end, hopefully what you've done is, is better address the needs of, of the people in your class to prepare them to go on. Does that oh, make sense? That... Yes. No, that's wonderful. I really appreciate what you're saying because I, I can see how the flexibility would be there because of preparation that you're willing to say, um, I'm, I, I hear the needs of the people in, in the group, the questions that they're struggling with, the the um, things they're wrestling with uh, in their own faith. And to stop and address that would not only help them, but help the whole group. And it would also model even that the the study, because then you could all look it up together and study it and come back and talk about it even the next week. And to your point, you do have a plan, but veering off the plan to be able to meet the needs of the people is exactly part of discipleship, because it's not about just our plan. It's about being able to meet people where they are. I remember 
that happened to me one time in a group where um, something to do with forgiveness came up, and I realized that it was a subject we needed to spend some time on. It wasn't a plan, but it was it was definitely something that someone, a couple people were struggling with. So um, I like the way you brought flexibility into that and to just encourage them to not feel like they have to have the answers, but that they can um, bring that up. So, And that's especially where saying, you know, I don't know, but let's figure it out is, yeah. is great because you may not know. I mean, and, and, and now the more you do this, the more you will, because we, you know, once you go through a class and you go through all the resources and you, and you decide to walk through suffering together, you know, and the next time suffering's probably going to come up over the course of three years with somebody mm-hmm. in your class. Now you you've done this. Now you're prepared to say, Oh, I've got great resources here. I can lead through this kind of, you know, and, and our, our journey is not linear, right? You know, and especially when you have eight people, they're not all on the exact same path going the same. It, it's, that's right. You know, it's hurting cats sometimes and, and that's okay. You just got to, you know, and I think that to me that the flexibility is, is key to address a need as it arises. Well, that's really good. Thank you. Um, I had Kevin Watson on the podcast recently, and he talked a lot about Wesley's uh, questions, and they were deep, reflective questions and how transformative that is. And so I just wanted to ask you, when we're, when we're studying and we're just talking about, you know, the things, the facts of the Bible and the things that it says and how we should live, wh- what about the type of leadership within the group that comes from allowing people to share their struggles or to bring things into the light so that they can receive grace and healing. How does that sort of fit in with all this? Um, Definitely with the flexibility, um, I I think is, is key because as you bring those things up, then we can explore them. Um, Study is obviously complementary. It's not meant to be, this isn't just an effort in academia. Like that would be, boring it would be you know it's 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 an analogous so um, uh you know james talking about you know faith without works is is dead right study without works is dead but you know i think i think uh everything complements itself if you have faith but don't have any understanding of why you have that faith you just have it that may last you through difficult situations, or it may not. It may not be as deep uh, as you think, and 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 I hope it is. And that's not a knock on faith. I think the study lets you learn the whole story better, so your faith can be deeper. But it can't stand alone. So, um, yeah, it's like it's just something that that to me adds on and makes it a a brighter picture, if you will. But Obviously, the most important things are, you know, people speaking through what they're dealing with and people bringing to light things and talking through overcoming them. And, and that kind of stuff isn't there's not an academic answer to it. Uh, right. and, and it goes back, I think, a little bit to the idea that study in and of itself is academic. And I don't necessarily it can be, uh, but I don't think it always is. I mean, you can read very, you know, deep esoteric writings on things and and that may be what you like. And that may be a little bit more of that academic, but 
you can also read things that are are more uh, grounded. I don't know if that's the right word I want to use in in what in an application, you know, and and it still expands your thing. So I I think that obviously if it turns into a class, um, which you know I do love classes, but I don't think that's the right scenario for a discipleship group. You know, if it's just somebody standing at the blackboard teaching you and then you go, I think you're you're missing an opportunity 100%. I think it has to be more about, uh, I mean, discipleship groups more than anything are about relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that is, there's nothing more important in a discipleship group that you do other than the relationship among the people. Um, and that can't be taught. That can't, that doesn't come from a book. That comes from experiencing one another, sharing with one another, trusting in one another, all of those things that that happen outside, you know, the study is just that then what we can do is help along the way. Right. Yes, that's um, so true. I, I've seen that just happen over and over again, what you're saying, because the study transforms our mind and then the sharing and the and the prayer and the grace and the healing that transforms our our heart and our soul. Like so they go hand in hand um, in the whole process of just walking with each other in in a discipleship situation. So yeah, I've got a 15-year-old right now learning to drive, right? I would never give her a manual on how to drive and then hand her the keys. That wouldn't do any good. That said, if I hand her the keys without teaching her the rules of the road and, and anything like that, I'm I'm equally negligent. As a, you know, either way, neither they have to work together. She has to learn the rules of the road and then she has to practice it and apply it. And and I think you could pick any scenario and and they're true. And so I think that's, that's kind of how I see study is it goes hand in hand with it, but it can't stand alone. Oh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. That's helpful. Thank you. Sean, this has been so good. Uh, Thank just you. It's, to, been- it's encouraging to me, um, study and preparation. Um, as we get ready to close, is there any words of wisdom you would have? Say someone is listening today and they're considering um, praying about starting a group or starting to invest in others, um, and they're, they're, they're hearing in their head, I don't know enough about the Bible, or I don't think I know enough to do that. What, what would you say to someone like that? Um, you know, first omniscience is a quality of God, not of man. So we don't, we're not expected to know everything. Um, I could, you know, I could say it a little more cavalierly in the old joke about, you know, if a bear's chasing you, I don't have to be faster than a bear. I just have to be faster than my friend, you know, kind of thing like that. But there is a sense of in, in teaching, I just maybe have to be a, you know, it's good to be maybe just a little bit ahead of the people I'm teaching, but I don't have to to know everything. Um, I think just trust in God. I, I think that you trust it. First of all, trust in yourself. You know a lot more than you think you do. Your experiences in your life are helpful to whatever they may be, whether they are mine, which just, like I said, don't have that big, exciting faith moment or or somebody who does or or anything you've done you bring a different life experience 
than those people have, and that is valuable to them. Um, and so the other thing is there is going to be some learning together. I mean, it's not, this isn't just a, I never, discipleship groups, I don't think are a, you know, teacher student. They're not, they're, they're, they're a group with somebody who's kind of has the, maybe the experience or the willingness to help lead that group, but there's not a hierarchy there. Uh, And if you, if you feel that you have to have that, then you're not going to probably feel that you're prepared. But if you recognize what I'm doing is I am going to spend time with other believers. We're going to walk together. All of us are going to grow deeper in our faith. Um, I'm just going to kind of be the one that at least as we start, that is moving this along and, and, and hurting the cats as, as if you will. Um, I, I think that you'll realize it's not as, as daunting. Um, the other thing I'd say is, is amazing resources. You know, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, what, what, what y'all have put together the church are amazing resources. So when I'm saying like the, you know, Hey, you got to be able to go. I I'm not in any way taking away from the resources we have are so fantastic and they're so easy to use uh, that I think it gives you an inherent sense of confidence. And I can do this because I already have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my, what I was talking about was just, you know, the ability to recognize that no matter how great our, our resources are, they're never going to address every situation. You can't, I mean, that's, you're not, you know, um, and so, but yeah, just, just have confidence in yourself, have confidence in God, have confidence in the Holy Spirit working through you that you are going to be prepared to do this. And then, you know, step out on faith. Uh, that's the other thing. If you always, I know I struggled with at the beginning, never, if I would have always continued to always think I needed to know more, you know, I would have died without ever having discipled anybody. Mm. And so I think you have to have faith that, you know, I'm going to do it. Hope I'm not going to, you know, if I screw up, there's grace. You know, I'm like that. That's I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin anybody. We're going to work together. It's going to be great. And and I think most people, once they start doing it and get over that initial thing and start with that group, they realize like, yeah, I can do this. So that's, that's so helpful. Sean, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today. What a blessing. Um, Thank you for being one of our teachers uh, at at Mount Pisgah and into um, all those who are coming to learn and for being one of our discipleship leaders. Um, God bless you and all your work. And, and, um, and hey, if this does. podcast has uh, been encouraging for you today, go ahead and share it with a friend, someone who is considering starting a group, maybe someone in your group uh, who's who's uh, praying about that. Also, Sean mentioned the resources on our website. So when you get a chance, go to 419disciplemakers.org. And there's uh, just a wealth of videos, podcasts, um, documents, all kinds of things that he has mentioned there that could also be uh, just what you're looking for in your study and your preparation. So God bless each of you. Until next time. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 